Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. Uh, another fantastic show lined up for you today. Um, so Liam, how you getting on? Not bad, thank you. Um, past week was pretty okay. The weather's been on and off. Um, if you're in England, you obviously know that. And apart from that, it's not not been too bad. I had a bit of a crazy day, and I believe you have as well. So, how are you doing, Rich? I'm okay. It's it's been it's been slightly manic. Uh, Scott Fishpole going off uh, probably hasn't helped things, but uh, but yeah. And uh, and joining us, we've got another fantastic guest uh, who's also very much in Scott Fishpole fever currently. So, John, this is Rich Cordia. How are you doing? All right, Rich. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very good. I thought after Liam confused me all last week with Liam and Lewis, I thought I'd try and confuse him by having two rich on the phone. You took the words out of my mouth. That was going to be the first thing I said as soon as you introduced Rich. How, uh, how are you finding Scott Fishbowl so far, Rich? Well, the way, the way I'm looking at it is it can't possibly go any worse than last year. So fantastic. I was doing great. The first two rounds were great. I was like, oh my God, I'm... This is, I'm flying. There's no way I can lose this thing. And then now it's starting to deteriorate rapidly. Yeah, it's um, it's it's basically a lose lose, isn't it? Because no, you know, two thousand plus people and only one person wins. You're not going to win. You know, it's it's just to keep everyone in fantasy football's egos in check. I think. Really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and Liam, so you're you're in the satellite. Is this this your first experience, Scott Fishbowl? Is that right? It is. Yeah. So. I applied last year and unfortunately did get in. And this year I got it through to the uh, satellite. So I'm drafting the 112 and pretty happy with Dak and Waller, um, Darren Waller on the turn. So nice. we'll see how that goes now. Fantastic. And um, also to kick off the pod, we've also got a Warrior Bowl spot to give away today. So, um, so for those of you who don't know, I did win my division last year. Uh, the Chun Li division, which now means I get to give away a spot in the Chun Li division, uh, so you can come along and compete against some fantastic guys um, and girls, but also me. Um, so, Liam, did you want to announce? I guess how how we're going to give it away? 
Yeah, so um, I just think that you wanted to get that dig in there that you won your division because I lost in the finals of mine. So Of course, of course. That was the only reason I mentioned it. I've seen, <laughs> I, I think you've only mentioned it a few hundred times on Twitter, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as much as he doesn't like Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Warrior Bowl giveaway. What we're going to do is... If you take a look at the Five Yard Dynasty um, Twitter, we're going to be giving away one spot, as Rich said. All you need to do is reply to the tweet that goes out. And you just need to tell us who your favourite warrior is. So it could be fictional, could be... Um, yeah, could, sorry, could be fictional, could be... Uh, historic who it is and why and we'll pick our favorite from that so back over to you rich fantastic yeah and uh i, I don't think we've decided how we're going to decide the winner is it going to be us are we going to get greg to do it or um i don't know what do you think i think we could either do it randomly or i, I think the best description kind of sounds good as well yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll get our heads together and we'll pick the best one and we'll go from there. Um, but diving into this week's topic. So um, so I've got Rich on, got thought talking with Liam, we're going to do some make or break players. So basically the idea of this is these are players that are heading to what what we consider is a make or break year, um, be that for them um, in terms of them in the NFL, but, but mainly from a dynasty perspective. Um so, Rich, I mean, when I said to you, we're going to do make or break players, is there anyone that you thought, right, I've got to do them? Or, or, or did you have to go away and think about it a bit? I had to, have, to be fair, I actually had to go away and think about it because I think you can look at it two ways is whether or not the players we're talking about are make or break in terms of their NFL career or make or break in terms of their dynasty value. So, I think the two players that I picked, one of them, I potentially think their career as a starting quarterback is on the line this year. Whereas the second player is, is more of a guy who I think probably will get another chance after this year um, because he had first round draft capital. But I think in terms of his actual dynasty value, I think if he, if he doesn't hit at all this year or show any signs of improvement, I expect the value to, which has already dropped considerably, but we'll get to, will just completely fall out. So you've you've hinted at him there. Let's let's dive straight in and discuss him. So you, I guess your your QB is uh, is Daniel Jones, isn't it? It is Daniel Jones. Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't. To be fair, it was it was a surprise when the Giants took him where they did. He wasn't a great prospect when he when he came out. Um, he redshirted his freshman year. Um, he had his best completion percentage actually at sixty two point eight percent. That was in his uh, redshirt freshman year. But then his completion percentage dipped badly after that. Year two, it was around 56%. And then it improved again slightly before he came. He declared at 60.5%. And um, the turnover issue that we're seeing in the NFL um, isn't something that that's just become an issue recently. He had turnover issues in college as well. He threw just under 30 interceptions in three years. So that's a, a systematic issue that he's had throughout his college and NFL career. What I'd say in terms of his NFL career so far is that there were he showed some promise in 2019 and people were talking about this major breakout potentially in 2020. And you look at what happened to him pre-season 2020 and during the NFL season, he did have some things working against him. Uh, Jason Garrett came in as the offensive coordinator, which is a disadvantage in itself. <laughs> That's another statement. And, <laughs> and the fact, you know, as a, a second-year quarterback, he was having to learn his second scheme in, in two years. Then it went from bad to worse, really, from the lost Saquon in week two. And the weapons he had, you can hardly call effective, really. With Barkley gone, you know, they, he was replaced by Wayne Gallman, Alfred Morris, Devonta Freeman and Dion Lewis in the backfield. And that meant that, with the, the the turnover problems that Jones had in his rookie year, teams could dare him to try and beat them through the air, really, and he didn't have the weapons to do that. I mean, he had Evan Engram and Sterling Shepard. I think Shepard is quite serviceable if he can stay on the field, but outside of that, you know, Darius Slayton and Golden Tate, they had a lot of issues with Golden Tate last year off the field, and I mean, Darius Slayton, I could probably we could probably do another show on. I don't understand why Darius Slayton was ever rated highly by the dynasty community. To day, be honest, day three picks are non-existent as far as I'm concerned. 
Yeah, a little bit like Michael Carter, but that again, that's for, <laughs> for the show as well. Um, and then you look at his offensive line as well. Um, it was atrocious last year. Uh, they had a rookie right tackling Andrew Thomas, and then they had a guard. I think it was Shane Lemieux. Um, according to Rotoball on PFF, he was the worst graded guard in the NFL. So they didn't really set him up for success. And when you look at all of that, it's not surprising that he didn't take the steps forward that people expected him to. But then it was a disastrous year overall for that offense. He did show some signs of life. He had the best deep ball passer rating in the NFL. Um, and he was almost at 50% completion rate on deep balls, which was fourth in the league. And his completion percentage over expectation improved considerably as well. The main issue with Daniel Jones is, though he's making improvement in those areas, it's just the turnovers are just still way too high. He had 18 fumbles, 12 interceptions in 2019. He improved in both areas last year. Um, I think he had 11 fumbles and 10 interceptions last year, but his, his touchdown, re- but then you look at that and then on the other side of that, his, touch, his passing touchdowns came down from 24 to 11. The main thing for Daniel Jones is he needs to cut out those turnovers. Otherwise, I think he's going to go the same way as guys like Jameis Winston did. And I think this could be the last year where where the Giants lose patience in him. Um, and the, the reason I think he's make or break is that I don't think he's got the same excuses as he had last year. He's going to have Barkley back at 100%. They've shuffled and improved the offensive line and they've given him a, a number one receiver in Kenny Galladay. To be honest, I don't think Galladay is an elite wide receiver, but I do think people forget how good he was in 2019. He had a lot of issues with injuries last year. I know he had a lot of issues with the Lions as well. But despite appalling quarterback play in 2019, he had a huge season. Um, He had the most touchdowns in the league um, and he had the most yards after the catch and contested catches. So the Giants have really set him up here with Barkley back and signing Galladay. If we don't see the improvement... If they don't see the improvement they expect from him, then I think they could start looking elsewhere after this year. Yeah. And I think, you know, we talked, I want to say a month ago, Liam, correct me if I'm wrong, about potential kind of breakout um, kind of quarterbacks and, and what we look for. And I think that, to be honest, outside the top 20, he's the only guy that I could see kind of vulturing up into that top 12 potentially. And that's because he's got the weapons he's got the fantastic rushing upside but I have I think you 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 hinted at the offensive line but to me the offensive line is an absolute like tire fire it is appalling um you know you, you said that they had issues last year arguably their best offensive lineman is, is now in Baltimore PFF rated as the 30 seconds offensive line going into training camp I mean it that's that's my concern is that the offensive line is awful and they've not really addressed it. Um, Liam, I mean, wh- where are you at on Daniel Jones? Do you think he's he's got breakout potential? Do you think he's, as sort of Rich hinted, could be, you know, the Giants looking for a new quarterback as early as next year? Yeah, so when I was going through uh, players to pick for this, I, I went through by position first to see if I could pick any out from tight end or quarterback to see whether whether there is anything in there that would surprise me if he if they jumped up and Daniel Jones was the first player that I kind of looked at and then I looked at the the, uh, the show sheet and Richard already dropped that in there so um but yeah I, I think that he's a great um, breakout candidate of jumping up but he fits this mold of make or break completely as Rich said he had I think about 30 fumbles so he's averaging one um, a game for the games that he's actually played in uh, played a snap in so if he cleans that up I know after two seasons you're asking someone to clean up fumbles you, you kind of hoping a bit but if he cleans up the turnover um production that he's got at the moment and he tries to bring that down a little bit i think that he's got the weapons around him as you said i think that the offensive line is the biggest thing that he's going to make or break his season i think he's got the rushing upside he's got the the passing upside with now with the weapons especially with tony in that um, offense. I know that a lot of people don't like Tony, but I think that he's going to have at least a, a small role that will grow over the season. 
and will help Daniel Jones. Whether he's at Tony is actually fantasy relevant is to be to determined. I don't know whether he actually will be, and I don't think that he ever will be properly. But I think that it'll help Daniel Jones make his rise, should we say? And I think that quarterback 24 is about right for where I want him now just because of that turnover at the moment but if he cleans that up I can see him shooting into the top 16 18 QBs and so Rich what what would need to happen for you do you think for the Giants and for Daniel Jones for him to be considered sort of a make in terms of vulturing up that dynasty value but also you know solidifying as as the QB1 for the Giants moving forward I think it's it's the turnovers honestly I think that offense as a whole was was pretty poor last year and, and Jones obviously has to take some responsibility for that but there was a lot of things that as we said worked against him and I don't think like we've talked about the offensive line I don't think the Giants put him in the best position but a lot of those turnovers were on Daniel Jones sometimes he was running for his life but some of the throws he made some of the fumbles were just were just atrocious. I think if he cuts down the turnovers, I think the Giants see enough in him to keep him as the as the quarterback going into 2022. This will be his third year, I think, so that they have to make a decision next next off season really on whether they take up the the fifth year option. I think I think he shows a lot of promise, like you said at the top of the show, Rich. He's got all of the tools there to be a very good quarterback, but it's the it's the turnovers and the silly mistakes that he makes in it. And as I said, it's something that. He struggled with since he was in college, so it's not something that's going to be easily fixed. I completely agree with you as well on the offensive line. The problem for me is, do NFL teams see it that way? So we can sit here and say, yeah, the offensive line's atrocious, but if he fails again, I think they lose faith in him. I don't think they they look at that. You know, I don't think they'll let, allow him to use that as an excuse. I think with that, you tend to see a new regime come in and realise that the offensive line was the issue. But also when a new regime, if a new regime comes in, that probably means they're bringing in their own quarterback. You know, speaking as a Jets fan, the, the new regimes come in and they've gone, look, the, the offensive line was atrocious. Sam Darnold was never put in a position to succeed because he was never given any time in the pocket. And I, I feel the same as with, with Daniel Jones. But this regime has had the opportunity to address it and they haven't. You know, as I said, they're arguably best guard last year. They've they've cut, yeah. And and now they're we're looking at a position where, you know, you've got a fifth round pick from last year, a third round pick from last year, who are going to potentially start for them at left guard and right tackle. You've got Will Hernandez, who's been below average as a guard all year. You've got Andrew Thomas, who now I'm sure Giants fans would probably not thank me for saying this, but is easily the fourth best tackle from last year's draft class and they had the pick of the four. And I just think that unless these three 2020 draft picks come out and take massive leaps forward, that offensive line is not going to be in a position to let Daniel Jones succeed. And and yes, I I love Daniel Jones as a, you know, as a QB three that that could potentially rise in value and as I said I think if I'm looking at any QBs in that 20 plus range that could break out he's absolutely it for me because he's got that rushing production but I I guess I'm I'm if I was to put numbers on it I'm, I'm saying it, I, I wouldn't say anything more than you know 33% a third chance that he actually reaches that potential and I'm with you I think he's probably the Giants are looking for a new QB next year so moving on to your pick then Liam so wh- where are we going for your make or break player so I decided to go with Joe Mixon um, in the in the Bengals. So he's really been a polarizing player on Twitter for the past however many months, and he seems to be every off season. And um, he's going as the RB seventeen in sleeper ADP, which I like that upside. But at the moment, I can also see him not living up to quote-unquote the hype I know that RB17 isn't really hyped but I think depending on who you talk to in the in the community you either get he's going to be an RB1 and and, and a top RB1 or he's not going to be an RB2 it, I, I think at the moment people have made up their minds and they, they're just going to stick to their guns so 
with with Mixon, I don't really know where I am with him. I think I like the upside for where he's going. He has only really had one season where he was an RB1 in points per game. Um, I'm not really going to count last season because he finishes the RB49 in total, but the RB9 in points per game because he had that one huge week. And I was one of the numpties that decided to keep him on my bench that week. <laughs> how, so, how low, <laughs> hang on, hang on. How loaded was your team that you were able to bench Joe? I Wilson? was just thinking that. <laughs> it was one of the it was one of the short teams, so it was two uh, running backs, so one flex. So you're in like a four, four, team, so. four team league with you and your mum and your dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the three weeks beforehand, he had like six points, so I decided <laughs> I'll just put someone else in my flex, and I've already got two running backs, and it was one QB as well, so I didn't even have to spend up early on a QB. So I think with Mixon. He really is a make or break this year, even though he's tied into a, I believe it's a three-year contract or three years left on his contract. Um, he He's really one way or the other. The thing that I like for him this season and potentially going forward is Joe Bernard. Um, I can't remember whether he got cut or whether he was a free agent, but he's no longer there. So, he had 55 targets, or at least Mixon had 55 targets max in one season, which is about a 3.2 per game in a full season worth of games. Well, this is at 16 games, so it could be even more this year with 17 games. But with no Bernard, that could spike massive, or I say massively, but to where you like him more in PPR as well as standard leagues. I don't know how you're feeling about it, Um both of you I was going to say rich but then neither of you would know which one I'm <laughs> directing it to but um I don't know how you feel about Mixon but I think he's purely a make or break this season for the, especially for the fantasy community I think he's almost in you can throw him in that horrible phrase of that post-hype sleeper isn't it I think his hype last year with his end to the 2019 season I want to say he was like a top three running back in the last like five or six weeks or something it was an unbelievable stretch to win a lot of people titles and so Rich do you, do you think he can live up to that sort of post-hype sleeper potential and and you know finally produce that RB1 season or, or do you think the the kind of the, the horse has already bolted and, and we're moving on from him? No I think to be fair I was I was out on Mixon last year but um I'm back in, like Liam mentioning there, that is the RB17 in ADP. I think that is outrageously good value for a guy that projects to be the workhorse in that offense. He's clearly very talented. And I think you can understand why people are out on him because he's burned people so many times. And I, I can't remember his ADP in the offseason last year, but it was it was, it was high for a guy. Or seven, that, yeah, wasn't it? It, was it was ridiculously high. high for a guy that had never really produced to that sort of level. Um, I think he flashed last year before he got hurt. It was against the Jags, which you just mentioned, Liam, where he absolutely tore us to shreds. Um, he is extremely talented, and there is, but there is red flags there because we've been burned. But I think post-type sleeper is is a perfect way to describe him. I, th- I think at RB17, as much as I, I think he has the red flags, I think for a potential workhorse in an offense that I'm all in on, the Bengals offense this year, if Joe Burrow's back at 100%, which to be, it's looking like he is, which is great. I'm all in on that offense. Um, if he stays around that RB17 ADP, then I'll have a lot of Joe Mixon this year. I think I have two concerns with Mixon. And one is, you know, you've both mentioned it, that sort of receiving work. If Gio Bernard is going out the door, as Liam said, everybody's sort of penciling that in for Mixon's going to see that big uptick. And, and yes, we saw a little bit more pass game usage last year but we've never seen it and it's now four years in, I feel a little bit uneasy just saying, yep, Joe Mixon's going to get it. And that that concerns me. But also, again, something you hinted on, Liam. So yes, he's, he's still got three years left in his contract, but as we know, NFL contracts aren't real and he can, the, the Bengals can save £4 million by cutting him at the end of the year. Now, that's not. I, I don't think they will. It's, it's not an outrageous contract. It would be. He's eleven and a half million against the cap next year, which which for a top tier running back isn't horrific. But if he doesn't produce this year, could we could we see the Bengals move on from him, save four million, and 
you know, he's he's on the scrap heap looking for for any job that will take him. And I I do worry with any running back, and it's the position, you know, where I'm always talking about selling because I do think that people are penciling in Joe Mixon for two, three plus years on the Bengals. And I just don't think that that's guaranteed. What what do you think, Liam? Do you think that those concerns are, are real or, or are you are you in at the price? I'm in at the price, but I, I, I'm with you completely on the running back um, piece where I think no running back is really confirmed to have a full role like we're, we're slating. I think the only thing I would point back or a rebuttal back to you is who's going to take the passing game. I I know that Mixon isn't going to have a hundred percent of snaps for every game because that's going to be ridiculous and Mixon's going to get hurt after two games. But who 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 else is there? You've got Sam J P Ryan. You've got Trayvon Williams or Chris Evans. Why do you need to check down and target running backs when you've got Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd? You've got three fantastic receivers that you know teams aren't going to be able to cover all three of them. Why do you need to check down to a running back when you've got those three out there? I get that, but <laughs> there's still going to be targets going there. No, it's I, not like they're all going to disappear from the running back. I do agree. Position. I do agree. I do think, you know, Chris Evans is one of my nice little late round flyers because I do think that he's got that receiving profile that that could, you know, yes, he's not going to be a complete stud, but he could be usable. Um, and I think at the moment he's basically free. So that's, if I was to say, yeah, I think, you know, let's be honest, the most common scenario is that Joe Mixon gets the passing game usage. But I'm just saying we've never seen it. Everybody's penciling it in. But when someone's going into their fifth year and we've not seen something for them, I just don't think we can 100% say he's going to get the passing game usage. So I wouldn't be shocked if they, you know, they, they did bring in another option. You know, what's to say they can't bring in a, I'm sure Chris Thompson's still a free agent somewhere. They could bring someone like that in for passing game usage. Um, so, so my pick. So, I'll be honest, Rich. This was sort of seventy percent because you were coming on the pod that I wanted to have a chat about him. So, uh, so my yeah. pick is Miles Sanders. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. we've we've seen some incredible hype uh, in terms of the last two years. He's currently going as the running back twenty. Um, he has absolutely flashed. You know, we've we've seen some fantastic talent. Uh, we've seen some fantastic production, but he's never really put it all together. Um, you know, he was the RB15 in his rookie year. He was the RB23 last year. Um, would I be shocked if come the end of the season, you know, Miles Sanders was a top five running back? No, I think he's absolutely got the talent. I think he's got the opportunity in that that offence. Would I be shocked if come the end of the year, he was, you know, RB30 and, and the Eagles were blowing everything up and, and looking for another quarterback, another running back and an entire offensive line. No, equally, I wouldn't. So I think for me, Miles Sanders is is absolutely a boom-bust play, but I think this is a, a huge make-or-break season for him. Um, Rich, I, I know you, correct me if I'm wrong, you're, you're quite a big Miles Sanders fan. Do you think it's uh, it's no, going to be a make-or-break? I told him to you last week. I was trying to get him <laughs> off my team at any costs. You couldn't give him away, I think was the quote. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I... I have to say, this is one I think I've got, I got majorly wrong last year. I was weighing on Miles Sanders, as we know, and I think it was a little bit of, I always I always criticise fantasy players for falling in love with guys, thinking about what they've done for your team and things like that. And the year before, in his rookie year, we had, he had a great run towards the end of that season and he won me a few leagues. And then suddenly it was like, my, I was blind to like the sort of red flags that when I was like, Miles Sanders is like, the second coming of Christian McCaffrey and all this, and I, was, I think it's a major miss. I, I don't think he's as bad as people are now saying. I think he's gone way too far. The hype last offseason, which was headed by idiots like me, to be fair, was way too much for a guy that did have some red flags in his profile in college. Things like his vision were not were considered substandard. Um, but it's a little bit like Mixon. The hype's possibly gone too much the other way. I think he said he's the RB20 now. That is unbelievable from where he was last year. But in dynasty terms, I in redraft again, like I said about Mixon, I'd be willing to take a shot on him at his ADP of 20. But in dynasty is a guy that I am trying to get off of. Not 
Not really because of Miles Sanders necessarily, even though I was a little bit high on him. It's more that hot, and you hinted at it, Rich. It's that whole offense, to be honest. Um, I've got, and when we get to my second play, we'll talk about this a little bit more. I've got no faith in that Eagles offense with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, and I, I, I do think that whole that offense as a whole is going to suffer. And if you think Miles Sanders has a second down season in a row, then his dynasty, his dynasty value is going to drop through the floor. So. If I can, I'm probably trying to get out on Sanders. Maybe I'm do- maybe I'm jumping a little bit too soon, but we talked about when we talked about mixing. If if you hold the bag too long at running back, then you you sort of you're in trouble. And I think that's the case with with Sanders. I think I'd rather get out now because of the down season he's had, which has seen a huge dip in his value. And I don't expect that Eagles offense to be any better this year. And and I think Jalen any any opportunity that Sanders gets, I think he'll be hurt by Jalen Hurts at the goal line and things like that. So I think you're paying up for a running back that's going to be mildly productive between the 20s, but I don't think he's going to be a major fantasy asset. I have to say, I completely agree with basically everything you've just said there, which sounds ridiculous having, I've literally just bought him off for you in the league. But I'd, <laughs> I'd like to caveat that by saying that that, that roster is absolutely stacked. It is. And uh, I was very much desperate for an RB2 and uh, no one was willing to sell. So, so Mole Sanders it is. Um, Liam, are you, are you out on Sanders? Do you think that he could be, you know, a league winner? Let's be honest, uh, that RB20 value, he could absolutely be a league winner this year. Where are you? Um, I have actually bought him in the one league that I am, or one of the leagues that I'm competing in. Uh, he, as as we've got him on this pod, we we think that he's a make or break player, and I agree with everything both of you have said so far. The only thing I, I want to play a bit of devil's advocate on is last year that offensive line was absolutely terrible, but I, I think it was more than the injuries than anything else like I believe I saw a stat where they had more starter uh, like new starters on that offensive line so someone that has never played a snap in the NFL before on the offensive line then there are actual positions so there's obviously five positions on the offensive line and I believe they had six or seven players take their first snap in the NFL in that offensive line and that I think they had about 16 different combinations over the course of the season which yeah. is insane. I don't think that's ever happened before, or at least to my knowledge, it's never happened before. Um, yeah, so- and I think that if if you've got, you know, if Lane Johnson is back and 100% fit, if you've got Brandon Brooks back and 100% fit, and obviously you've got Jason Kelsey, you know, that's three arguably of the best players at their position in the NFL. And I think that if they're fully fit, then that's all great. But let's be honest, we're sitting here talking about guys that are coming off serious injuries that are in the the Mm. later stages of their career they've got yes he was a first round pick and Andre Dillard starting at left tackle I just don't know if it could be one of the best offensive lines in the league let's be honest but I am not confident that it is going to be what do you think Rich are you are you are you buying the offensive line do you think it's it's going to get back to its dreamy heights or do you think it's on the downward spiral downward spiral definitely I think it could, like you've just said, I think it could work out, but it's. I think it's a long shot for that to be the case. To be honest, um, I just think this whole this offense as a whole, I've just got no, no real faith in it, and I don't think really the eagle. I don't think the Eagles have got that much faith in it. I think they, they made their intentions clear um, in the draft and things like that. I don't. I don't believe that they expect to win many games this year, and I think they'll be in a in a really good position in the NFL draft next year. And for fantasy, that that does nothing for us. Um, running backs on bad offences is not is not great to begin with. And then you think when they get to the goal line, they have a you know a rushing quarterback in Jalen Hurts. When we think about Sanders, I just don't see where the value is. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And, and sticking with bad offences, we've got your second pick, Rich. <laughs> oh, is it my second pick already? It's your second pick oh, already. Sorry. The same bad offense as well. So my second player is is Jalen Rager, another guy that I hyped up last year. So I had a really great off season last season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was he was he your wide receiver one coming out of the draft? It wasn't. No, actually, it was. It was. Um, 
It was Jeff. No, it wasn't Jefferson Jefferson. I was going to try and lie and say it was, but it wasn't. <laughs> um, I had CD Lamb as one, uh, Jerry Judy as two, Jefferson as three, Rager as four. Okay. I think, but I did. I was really high on on all of them, to be honest. So I can't. I can't escape that. Unfortunately, I liked all of them. Um, to be fair, though, we have just bashed the Eagles for a good twenty minutes. I do think it's a little bit unfair to criticise them for taking Rager over Jefferson in twenty twenty. Um, if you think back to the time when they took him, it was considered a, a good pick, even though there were some red flags in Rager's profile. He had put. I would say Paul's maybe a bit harsh, but average production in his junior season at TCU, but a little bit of that was blamed on poor quarterback play. And I think the criticism of his rookie year a little bit is spotlighted more because of the success of Jefferson. But you can't hide from the fact that Rager's production as a rookie was abysmal, um, especially when you consider lack of target competition. On a side note, it makes me laugh that people criticise Brandon Ayuk for smashing last year with <laughs> no target competition when you've got Jalen Rager who's getting bin men off the street playing out opposite him and he still can't produce, but that's for another show. <laughs> that's three <laughs> new shows we can do. Um, so Rager, it was supposed to be a deep threat coming out and he, it looks like it could be the case in back in week one. He, he caught a 55 yard bomb from Carson Wentz. And that was probably the best play we saw from him all season. He didn't have another, another game where he had at least hundred air yards until week 15 his 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 production was pretty pretty paltry. Two point eight receptions per game, thirty six yards per game, and he was inefficient when he was targeted as well. Um, the hit rate on rookie wide receivers who bomb year one is pretty low, but there is there is a few there are a few rays of light I think you can grab onto. Um, I was reading an article by Neil Dutton on on Rotovis, which was really interesting, and it opened my eyes a little bit in that he had similar rookie years to Chris Godwin, Devonte Adams, and Robert Woods. But, Some dreamy company, that. Yeah, I mean, th- that's the point I was getting to, really, is, yeah, that's fantastic. But the problem is he has to go and make that leap in year two and year three in order to be a really relevant fantasy asset. And I just think it's a long shot for him to do that. So personally, from my perspective, not just whether or not he's make or break in fantasy, I'd rather get out on Rager now because I don't believe he'll ever be anything more than a wide receiver three with a wide receiver two ceiling, even if he does recoup some of that value I'd rather re-roll to be honest um, if he's on my team right now but in startups it's a little bit different in startups he's the wide receiver 49 so he's incredibly cheap with the guys that he's going around and then in terms of what the Eagles have done this offseason they brought in Devonta Smith they brought him in but they took him in the first round he's probably going to play on the outside in the alpha role so we're probably going to see Rager move into the slot one of the areas where it was actually quite effective was um, in yards after the catch. He averaged three yards after the catch per target last year. So it may be, you know, the Eagles invested a lot in him. So it's it's in the Eagles' interest to try and get the ball in his hands and see what he can do. Um, I've just mentioned it. I don't think he'll ever make a huge impact on your dynasty team. I don't think he's ever going to repay the costs of taking him where we had to last year. I think he was going mid to late first round in some rookie drafts when the hype really built up towards... Um, the end of the offseason. I mentioned it earlier. I think his ceiling is probably a wide receiver three where he may give you some wide receiver two upside. Um, but I think he needs to make considerable improvement in 2021 just to prevent his value from tanking completely. And it comes back to when we talked about your pick with Sanders, Rich, is that I've got no faith in Jalen Hurts as a passer to support multiple fantasy-relevant pass catchers. And that's why... I personally would rather roll the dice again. I would take a second round pick to sell to sell Jalen Rager right now and try and re-roll, to be honest. Um, because the Eagles, and this is what I talked about at the start of the show as well, because the Eagles invested a first round pick in him, I don't think it's make or break for his career in year two, but I think it's make or break um, for his dynasty value. I think as we roll towards the start of the season and people start trying to fill out the lineups and things like that, I think it's still probably possible to get a future second round pick for Rager. If he busts again in 2021, I certainly don't think that's going to be the case. He's going to clog your roster to the point where you, you spent a first round pick on him. So you don't feel that you can cut him, but you're just not getting any return for him whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, I, you know, I would say that one of my ways, you know, that I like to play is that anyone rookie wide receivers that don't produce year one, I'm looking to sell unless their price has dropped to a point at which it's ridiculous and then I will look to buy. And yes, 
you know, wide receiver 49, he's, he's not free. I think that's, you know, de- decent price you're still having to pay. He's not expensive, but he's, he's not dirt cheap. And I think for me, at that price, it's still too much for me. I think I think you've hit, you know, you've hit them down on the head. It's, it's a good opportunity to get out because I think you can still get some value for him. Um, I mean, Liam, are you are you believing that Rager could could show something? Do you think there's a, a path for him being, you know, paying up to the potential late first that you paid for him last year? I think that's a very steep hill to climb to get back to a first in value. With Rager, he wasn't in a great situation, as you both hinted, with both Mars Sanders and talking about both of them so far. As Rich um, said earlier, he he didn't have anyone around him last year. And we've spoken about it on the pod before, about the Eagles' offence last year. It was abysmal. So if he wants to break out, this is going to be the year for it. And if he doesn't, I don't think he's going to. Um, I think you both summed it up extremely well. I, I don't think there's any way, there's no other way around this for his dynasty value. He is purely make or break. I think for me, the, the Eagles, I've said this before, but the Eagles showed me what I should be doing with Jalen Rager because I think that this is a team that's got some holes pretty much all over the roster. And they've gone out and spent elite draft capital for the second year on a, on the trot on a wide receiver. Now, if they truly believe that Jalen Rager was a guy that, you know, yes, I get the NFL is different to fancy, but would put up, you know, wide receiver one, wide receiver two stats, then they wouldn't have gone out and acquired Devon Smith and, and spent that, what was it? Top, I get this wrong last week. Was it 12 or 10? I can't oh, remember. Yeah. But... I think it was pick 10 for oh, Smith. There you go. Yeah, pick 10 for Smith. There's no way they're spending that if they believe in Rago and, and he can be that elite potential. So for me, they're, they're telling me that he's at most, a, you know, a fantasy wide receiver three, wide receiver four. And this is the kind of guy that, I, I, I'll be honest, I just don't want to roster. I'd rather pay up for those. Yeah, I'd rather pay up for those elite receivers or I'd rather get someone for free because any given week you're not going to feel comfortable starting Rager and yes he'll he'll have some boom weeks and you'll look at the end of the year and go oh he, he put some decent stats together well I'd rather sell Rager for the second and then I can go and pick up you know Jacoby Myers off the waiver wire and he'll probably have a, a, a similar type season with with similar boom weeks and bus weeks I think yeah. it's it's just the type of player that I don't want to roster quite frankly it's part it's part you've just said it you've that's exactly what I was going to say next is that it's, it's just clogging your roster there. Maybe he breaks out, but really, I think the odds the odds are against it, really. And even if he even if he becomes effective, relatively effective, like you, you've just said, wide receiver three, few wide receiver two weeks, he's not going to win you any weeks. So what? Just get what you can. It's, yeah, and it's price dependent. You know, if he was costing me a third, I'd happily go and pay a third to to you know take the the lottery ticket on the fact that he does break out. Yeah, but. If I'm having to pay wide receiver 49 price, which is, as you said, a, a pretty much a second round pick, there's no way I'm paying a second round pick for him. Yeah. So, so Liam, your second pick, who we got? So I'm going to go with DJ Chark on this one, another wide receiver. Um, I think with what we saw in 2019, where is the wide receiver 16 or the wide receiver 18 in points per game, I think everyone got really hyped up about him because the the season before in 2018 when he was a rookie, he did nothing. He scored 22 total fantasy points on the season. Um, So I think everyone got really hyped up. And then um, Minshew Mania may have taken over. Um, But then with this year, he he didn't do as well, to say the the least. He ended up as the um, wide receiver 49 and his points per game uh, rank wasn't much better. It was wide receiver 42. So this year, I think, with the addition of LaVisca Schnell last year, and then you've got Trevor Lawrence this year, um, who's probably the best prospect since looking 2010. I think he's got the upside and he's got the chance to. And I kind of like his price at wide receiver 29 because he's shown that he can be a good wide receiver too. But I don't know 
how much I'm willing to take that punt on him. And how are you both feeling about that? Well, I'll let, I'll let Rich dive in as a, as a, a resident Jacks fan. DJ Shark stinks. And I've had this <laughs> people on Twitter constantly. He's not, he's just not very good. I think we've seen the, it's similar to, it's what you just said, Liam, that 2019 season, I think was an outlier, to be honest. I think that was DJ Chark's ceiling. Maybe he gets back to that again where he returns maybe wide receiver two or three numbers. But Chark is um, he's a deep play threat, but I don't think he's, a, he's an alpha receiver. I've been saying that since since 2019 when he had that breakout. He'll, I think he's a fine, to be fair, stinks. I was, you know, that's a bit harsh. Um, but the real-life NFL is he's a decent deep ball you know, deep ball receiver, he'll come up with a few big plays, but I don't think he's ever going to be a consistent fantasy asset. The red flag for me is, you've just mentioned it, is that he's, he had a terrible rookie season. He was okay in 2019. I do think people overrated him slightly. I mean, he was still only the wide receiver 16, I think he said, in points per game. And he did have some really disappointing... He did faded down the stretch of that season. He can't stay healthy. Um, his 2020 season was really disappointing. I mean, he had the only defense, the only defense I can make from him is he had three atrocious quarterbacks in Minshew, Luton, and Glennon. He's obviously got a big upgrade in Trevor Lawrence, but I just don't ever see him as a consistent fantasy asset. I mean, Urban Meyer's already called him out publicly for playing like a little boy last season, <laughs> and he's out of contract this year. Um, I don't believe that we'll give him a new contract. I think he'll be out of Jacksonville at the end of this year. So then you bring in further issues with a wide receiver changing teams. And I mean, we see alpha wide receivers struggle with that enough. I know like we look at Hopkins, who was um, probably an exception to that last year, but this is a wide receiver who's, he's just, he's, he's okay. As a, again, it, he's, he's not on the same level as Rager, but he's another guy that I don't really want on my fantasy team. I don't believe he's ever going to really win me any weeks. I think we've seen his ceiling. I think the time to sell him was, after we finished, when we beat the Jets to the number one overall pick, I just wanted to get that in there. <laughs> um, and there was a lot of hype about DJ Chark around Christmas time, just as we got into the off season. Then was the time to sell him. I think people have have, have wised up to that a little bit. I, honestly, I, I genuinely believe he could be the wide receiver three behind Chanel and Marvin Jones. I don't. I don't think. I don't genuinely believe that. I, th- I think that's going to happen. I think he's a hundred percent the wide receiver three. I think for me, DJ Chark, the hype is purely Trevor Lawrence. I think if people, you know, if he had any other rookie quarterback, if he was, you know, if he had Minshew again, I think people wouldn't even be talking about him, and he'd probably be in the wide receiver forty range. I think he's been bumped up probably three or four rounds in startup value purely because they've got Trevor Lawrence. And I think that, to me, I think when you're buying a player because of his potential quarterback, that that's that's concerning. You know, I think it's the reason why we keep falling down this rabbit hole of the wide receiver two in Green Bay and overpricing them and overvaluing them. And I think that if, if I can get anything for DJ Chark, I'm absolutely doing it. There is no way in hell I'm paying wide receiver 29 prices. That is far too steep for me. I think that, you know, this is a guy that, I'm I'm not feeling comfortable if if he's like my second or third flex or even first guy off the bench, and at wide receiver twenty nine prices, you know he's a wide receiver three. That's that's outrageous for me. I I just don't get it. I had Julian Barnett on the pod. What was it now? Six months ago, and he said that DJ Chark was was going to finish as a top twelve receiver this year, and I I, I told him it was yeah twenty twenty one top twelve receiver. Yeah, I told him he was an idiot at the time, and I stand by it. <laughs> I think I think with that offense, I don't really know who or what the order of that wide receiver room is going to be because you've got Marvin Jones, who's proven that he can be the number one in. I mean, it was Detroit, so there wasn't much um, comp- competition there when Golladay got hurt. But then you've got Visca, who is kind of a an unknown at the moment. No one really knows how he's going to do in his second season. So I think that top spot in that offense is completely wide open. And I don't know who is going to take it. I, I think that Chark's probably got the most upside that we've seen, but that that's I don't know who's got the complete upside because we haven't seen that much from Chenault. I have no idea what that offense is going to look like this year. I have absolutely 
I think it's I, I I don't think they've thrown a load of darts at the tight end position, but I don't think you've got a usable tight end. We've seen them throw, you know, decent capital in terms of first round pick at Travis Etienne. They've then gone out and given Carlos Hyde, uh, you know, let's not hide away. It is a, a decent contract for a journeyman backup running back. I I have no idea. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Travis Etienne was lining up out of the slot, you know, 30, 40% of the time and, and taking targets away from all three of the receivers. I think I wouldn't be shocked if we see Carlos Hyde and James Robinson as the running back, Chanel and Etienne as like movable pieces, and Marvin Jones as, as your receiver, and, and DJ Shark sat on the bench at the end of the year. I wouldn't be gobsmacked at that. Yeah, I think I think you can put James Robinson in the big yellow skip, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not a fan. I, I, I think that I agree I agree with you. I think he's you know, he's he's not you're going to be that stud running back that some people hoped but I do think that there's still going to be a role for him in this offense and I do think that Travis Etienne is going to be not a typical running back in terms of his usage I think we're going to see a bit more like someone like a John Jay Swift at the beginning you know first six weeks last year where he was lining up in the slot an awful lot he was being used more as a receiver than a running back and I I think that's the Etienne role for for at least this season and I think that to me if if that's the case I'm I'm a little bit worried that DJ Chark's going to get pushed out by Marvin Jones I wouldn't be shocked if we saw you know Colin Johnson and Philip Dorsett as as the kind of the deep threat on this offense because I just really don't believe in DJ Chark. No I think earlier in the offseason it was to be fair it was before the draft it might have been between free agency and the draft where there was a lot of talk about using Chenault on the outside. People have got this um, preconception of, of that Chenault's just a gadget guy, and I don't think that's the case. I think – and people – when we were going to draft Kadarius Tony, by the way, thank God that we didn't. <laughs> when we were going to draft Kadarius Tony, people thought that that was a blow to Chenault, and I don't think that's the case. Before, Well before the draft, we were talking about using Chenault on the outside instead. So, again – that, in my opinion, that's another blow to DJ Chark. I think they want to use Chenault on the outside. He was phenomenal in, contest, like in contested catches last year, and I think they want him on the outside. So, again, where does that leave leave DJ Chark? In terms of fantasy terms, nowhere. He's another guy that's just clogging your roster, and he's a guy that you can't sell because you're not going to get the value that you want for him, but he's never going to be a guy that's going to win you a league or even your weeks. I still think there's one person in every league that's a DJ Jock fan. And I, I, think can't you... <laughs> I can't find them. <laughs> well, I haven't got any shares to sell is the sad point, but I'm convinced there's people out there that still think he's going to be yeah. a, you know, an elite receiver. So my, my final pick then. Um, so this is going to be Noah Fant. So it's, we're, we're hitting that year three tight ends. You know, he was a, a first round draft pick, both in the NFL draft and rookie drafts. He's been, incredibly highly priced as a tight end for the last two years and I think people have have kind of made some excuses for him I think they've made excuses based on the offense the quarterback yes he's shown some flashes I think he is an you know an absolute freak athlete but this is a guy that okay was the the tight end nine last year but I think as Liam's pointed out a few times the difference between tight end nine and tight end 20 was a point a game or something ridiculous yeah. like that. It's, you know, tight end nine is an achievement. Yeah. That's a risky conversation. To have <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to trigger you and start talking about tight ends. Um, but, you know, if, if we're talking tight end seven, I think is his current ADP. I, I feel uncomfortable paying for that. This is an offense that has got an awful lot of weapons. It still doesn't have a quarterback. And I just don't know if, if Noah Fan is going to be, you know, the elite true stud tight end that we've kind of dreamt of for the last two years. Rich, are you are you believing that Fant can break into that kind of top three or four at the tight end position that we see in Dynasty? No, I don't think so. It's in that range where I think he's a he's a very good player. Um so it comes down to personal preference a little bit for me. I don't believe he'll ever break into that top elite tier, to be honest. And that there's there's excuses made for him. Some of them are valid, such as the you know they don't have a, a quarterback really, or a, or a good quarterback. I don't think in t- in t- for a tight end he is never going to give you the positional advantage that the guys that at the top like Kelsey, 
Um, Waller, Kittle, Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, we love Kyle Pitts. <laughs> uh, that was the only reason I put Fan in, was just to talk about tight ends, because I know how much I love Kyle Pitts. <laughs> but outside of that, no, I, I think he, he's, he's fine. Um, I think he's a very good NFL player. Um, so I, I don't think it's make or break in terms of his career, certainly not. I think the Broncos are probably happy with the production they've got from him. But from fan, from a fantasy standpoint, at some point, the light is going to come on for dynasty players that he's, he's not the guy that, that people believe he is that's ever going to give you that positional advantage. And I'm just not willing to take anyone in that range um, in the fan and Hawkinson range, because I don't understand the Hawkinson IP either. Um, that area of the draft, I'd much rather be taking um, wide receivers in that same tier. I just don't, I'm just not interested. So my, I might be being a bit unfair. So Liam might think a little bit differently because I'm just not interested in tight, paying up for a tight end unless they give you a serious positional advantage. And I don't ever see that from guys like Fant or, or guys like Hawkinson. It stops at Kyle Pitts. <laughs> Liam, no. it feels like we get the opportunity to try and trigger you on tight ends every week. But, <laughs> but his, his, the floor is yours. Go for it. Yeah, as you said, both of you, I I can't stand paying for any of the middling tight ends. And as Richard said, he doesn't give you that positional advantage. He's not one of those top tight ends, so I don't see the point in paying for him. Uh, I got him in a couple of um, rookie drafts in, in 2019 when he came out. Um, and that was it. That's the they're the only shares I've got. And I think I got him in one startup last year, which was a mistake. That was before I looked into the tight end gap. Um, I just, as Rich has already mentioned, I I'm uncomfortable with that quarterback situation because although Teddy Bridgewater kept three uh, top what top twenty five wide receivers last year in in um. Carolina, I just don't see that happening this year because if he's purely mediocre, I think that they're just going to chuck Drew Locke in. And I don't think Drew Locke is going to really feed Noah Fant like a wide uh, tight end one for fantasy purposes. Um, so I, I just, yeah, I'm completely out of the tight end position after the top four. So y- you probably knew my answer before you even threw it to me. I think that for me, for a, a tight end to produce and you know hit the, the the numbers that we're expecting of a guy that's going to be, as you said, a positional advantage, he needs to be the you know the number one, the number two in terms of target volume. We need to be seeing 110, 120 targets a year for the guy, and I just can't see it in that offense. I think that you know he he is at best the third option. And yes, he could be fantastic as that third option. Yes, he is, you know, a complete elite athlete. I think he's, you know, looks fantastic when he's got the ball in his hand running down the scene. But I just don't think that volume is going to be there for him to pay the price that you're having to pay to get him. So for me, I don't particularly like it. But, you know, if, if they ever sort out that quarterback position... Um, he could easily be, a, you know, in a year's time, that post post sleeper perhaps, um, because that that offense could zoom if you know if Rogers does end up there, or or you know they they end up actually drafting a quarterback that works. You're so, really trying to trigger me today, Rich. You well, not only I, brought up tight ends, <laughs> but you brought up Rogers moving now. Well, I've look, I've said on three occasions I've just drafted Devontae Adams in Scott Fishbowl. So I've <laughs> I've been saying all day there is no way that Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere. But normally when I say stuff like that, it then happens. So uh, so I, I'm I'm just sort of trying to balance out, you know, my yin and my yang. But um, so Rich, it felt I couldn't couldn't bring you on the podcast without having a tight end conversation. So uh, so after my success last year, I well, this is there. it. For those of you who have been listening for the for a year, Rich came on the pod and declared Ian Thomas uh, <laughs> you know, a, a true breakout. I questioned the fact that I think the quote was, he didn't produce in college, he's not produced in the NFL, he's got a bad situation and he's not athletic, but he's going to break out. He's going he's gonna to run, the, he ran some great routes though. Yeah, was according to PFF, was the last ranked tight end in yards <laughs> per route run. Um <laughs> 
so I, I thought I'd, I'd give you the opportunity to try and uh, kind of come back, you know, gain some honour amongst tight end aficionados and, uh, and give us a, a breakout tight end this year. So my excuse is I hate tight ends, as we've just covered. But <laughs> I am going to sort of... So I am going to... I am sort of chickening out a little bit here because I don't think this guy's going to break out in 2021, but I think he's someone that needs to be on every dynasty roster and i'm amazed that i've actually seen people dropping him to waivers um, and we've just covered the the same offense so it's albert Aquabunum. um I th- as i said i think a, a breakout's a stretch in 2021 i don't think that'll be that will happen because obviously he's, he is playing behind Noah fan but this is the sort of tight end that i do love to stash because he's pretty much he's so cheap almost free in some leagues as i've just said he's on waivers um, it was a pass-catching beast in college. Three years, he had 98 receptions, 1,187 yards, 12.1 yards per reception and 23 touchdowns. When you when you push that over three years, it doesn't look that great, but I would just remind people that college offences don't feature their tight ends as much as, as you would see in the NFL. His athletic profile is incredible. 99th percentile, 40 time, 99th percentile speed score. I don't expect to break out in 2020, but I do think we'll continue to see flashes of him and what he can do. And I think he's someone that I am more than happy to stash um, until he gets his second contract in the NFL. I think eventually he could potentially be a set and forget tight end. And he's a guy that you can pick, you could potentially pick up on waivers or a guy that you can throw a late round rookie pick to pick him up. As I've just said, I picked him up in waivers in a league yesterday and uh, just before rookie drafts this year, you look at how shallow this rookie draft was. When you got into the third round, genuinely, I didn't even want to make a pick, to be honest. Uh, before the rookie draft, I I paid a late third for him, and I was happy to do that. Um, I think he's so cheap. He's someone that you can just stash for the next two, three years. I do think we'll see flashes again when he does get on the field in 2021, and he's a guy that could be a monster when he gets onto his second contract. Yeah, I, I love Albert O. I think that, you know, we saw, yes, it was only two, two, three weeks last year, but we saw him, you know, essentially move Noah Fant out of that spot down the seam. You know, mm-hmm. they, they moved Noah Fant. He played a lot more snaps as that sort of X receiver on, on the kind of ISO side. And they played Albert O down the seam. And, and he had three weeks where he saw, I think it was five or six targets and back-to-back weeks. And, mm-hmm. and he showed that as a rookie in an offense with an elite tight end that he can be fantasy relevant. And yeah, I think as long as he comes back, obviously he had the ACL injury. I think that, you know, is always a concern, especially for these athletic freaks, which again, he is. Um, I am a little bit concerned, as you said, for this year, but I think if if you've got a taxi spot that will take non-rookies, if you've got, you know, third, fourth, fifth round picks, because let's be honest, they're all pretty pointless at that point. Yeah. Go out and, and take a floor on someone like Albert O, because I think that, as you said, if if Noah Fant doesn't produce this year, uh, are the Broncos going to want to be, you know, paying him big money on a new contract? Yes, they've obviously got the fifth-year option, but it could be an easy opportunity for them to move on from Albert O, uh, from, move on from Noah Fant and, and go and ride someone like Albert O. So thank you so much for, for coming on board, Rich. It's been fantastic to have you on again. Obviously been sort of a year since we last did this, but uh, where can everybody uh, follow you? Where can we uh, can read your interesting tweets, should we say? So, yeah, I'm in semi-retirement, to be fair. Um, I had to come back on and take revenge for that Ian Thomas tweet. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I am in talks potentially to, to come back to podcasting. Um, so keep an eye on my Twitter in the next few weeks and months. Uh, find me on Twitter at... FF Miz one until there's any announcements though I just make passive aggressive take passive aggressive shots at fantasy Twitter all day. <laughs> I I enjoy that you describe yourself as not an analyst but uh, but just take shots at all of the analysts out there. Yeah, that exactly. I'm a coward. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, it's been it's been fantastic having you on, uh, and I I do look forward to to hopefully hearing your uh, dulcet tones on a podcast again soon. Um, but as we said at the top, guys. Uh, we will be tweeting out the the Warrior Bowl giveaway. It is a fantastic tournament. Uh, I think they're aiming to raise 10 grand plus for charity this year. So um, it is incredible. Obviously, Murph, I'm sure he won't mind me mentioning, finished second last year. Um, I managed to win my my division. So uh, I think did Liam, did, did, yeah, I've, I've not mentioned it. Liam, you, you, you came second in your bidding, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Harsh. Ouch. <laughs> You're really coming after me today, aren't you? <laughs> 
but uh, yeah we'll, we'll get that tweeted out and uh, yeah look forward to seeing you again next week to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.